Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 236 of Sexology Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. And if you are living in the part of the world that things has been opening up, I hope you're taking advantage of this opportunity and you're heading out. I've been super excited to be able to go outside. We are going on a climbing trip to Mount Kilimanjaro in, in a month and I've been training for it. I'm excited and nervous. I have been negotiating with my husband to do this trip in last, I don't know, six, seven years. I wanted to do Mount Everest and he said, go find another guy. <laughs> so now we're planning to do Mount Kilimanjaro and I hear it's a doable climb. The issue is altitude sickness. So if you have done the climb and you have some tips and tricks for me, please send them my way. I'm very excited about this. Today, we're going to talk about raising shameless kids. People might have different opinions about different sexual acts, about different sexual kinks and behaviors, but most people can agree on that it's important to change the sex negative messaging that most of us have been receiving. And it's been like a plague transferring from one generation to another generation. I know I've been talking about my experience. I didn't get any sex education and I grew up in a very conservative culture. That's why I believe this conversation is really important. In this episode, my guest is Dr. Sher- Tina Sherman Seller, and she was our guest a few episodes ago. She talked about religious shame and it was very well received. And in this episode, we are answering some of the questions that you guys have sent to us. Some of the questions is about young children exploring their body. We're going to talk about what to do if you catch your child or teen, they're exploring the body in the public, how you can talk to your kid about sexual health and safety without shaming them, and whether you should talk to your both of children of all genders together or separate. As I mentioned, our guest is Dr. Tina. She is a vibrant thought leader around issues of sexuality, intimacy, and spirituality. Her life's work is centered around rooting out the causes of sexual shame and providing tools that disarm and dismissify all the negative messages that we receive in American culture and so often in religious circles. Dr. Tina is a sex therapist, former professor of marriage and family therapy at Seattle Pacific University, founder of the Northwest Institute on Intimacy, ASAC certified supervisor, mother, wife, and author. She just published her new book that we're going to talk about it called Shameless Parenting. Before we go to this episode, I wanted to invite those of you that haven't downloaded our checklist around on how to talk to your children, you can download it in the show note. I created this list a couple years ago after getting so many of your questions. So if you need a quick guideline, that can be a place that you can find information that you would need to talk to your children in addition to Dr. Tina's book. Her book is fantastic and she breaks down all the important conversation that you want to have with your child to make sure that they're developing a healthy sexuality. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Tina Shermer-Sellers. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am excited and honored to have Dr. Tina Shermer-Sellers back on our show. Dr. Tina, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I am so glad to be here. I am delighted that you accepted our invitation. I was just sharing with you that your previous, our previous conversation, that they love the content and it's been really useful for them in the journey of repairing their relationship with their sexuality. And now you have a second book, which is such a exciting news for us. So tell us more about what led you to write this second book. Yeah, so it's actually kind of a funny story. I wasn't planning on writing the book. What happened was I decided that I wanted to provide some resources for physicians, for psychotherapists, for teachers, for clergy, because they were the ones that was that were in front of parents so often. And I felt like we needed to find a way to provide resources for parents as far as providing sex education. And I was just tired of waiting for us to get it right as far as sex education goes in our schools. So I was thinking, how how could we make it easier for the people, the professionals who were in front of parents so often? And really, it was our doctors, our psychotherapists, our teachers, our clergy. So I thought, what, what could I produce for them that would make it easy for them to just, while they're having those conversations, whether it's school conferences or well child visits or, you know, family therapy or whatever, where they could grab it and say, here's something that could be helpful to you. And, and so that was where an idea came up to produce cheat sheets, where on one side, it would say, here's, here's where your child is, you know, in the next two years, this is what their behavioral tasks are going to be. Their emotional tasks are going to be. Their sexual curiosities are going to be. And then on the back side, it would have, here's the shame triggers that might come up for you as they are doing these things. If your own parent didn't happen to do them very well for you. And then here's how you can heal those shame triggers that might come up for you. And then here's the very best resources for you to have the books that you would want for your kid, the books that you would want for you, and the really the best websites that we have available right now. And it would be on just one page, you know, front and back. And here, here's the handout for you, right? And it would make it really easy for the doctor who has five or 10 minutes, you know, or for the youth leader or the therapist to use, the teacher, whatever. So I was working on these and then they were going to go to an illustrator. But before I sent them to the illustrator, I had some colleagues of mine, queer and diversity, equity and inclusion colleagues, look at them for me. And one of my colleagues said, you know, I think these are great. I think professionals are going to really be happy to have these. But have you thought about sticking these all together in a book for parents? And I was like, no, I haven't because it's so didactic. You know, it's so like bulleted and kind of put together. And I said, I'm not sure it's like, it's not filled with stories or whatever. And she said, I know, but I think it's so practical and so helpful. And there isn't anything like this out there. And I said, well, let me, let me work with it. Let me see if I can find a book template that would make it more interesting looking. Right. And, and so I went looking for a book template and I found a really wonderful one where I could put in quotes and pictures and just make it really user-friendly. And when I put it all together, 
it was like it was always meant to be a book. It just laid out so well. And I thought, you know, I think this is what parents have been asking for for so long, because you can turn to right where your child is right now and just read it in a half an hour, literally know exactly what you're going to be facing in the next several months know exactly what books to get. It's all right there at your fingertips. And then you're going to, you're going to know exactly what's coming right around the bend. When I put it together and I started passing it around to colleagues and friends of mine, they were like, Tina, this is so fabulous. This is so great. And I just felt like, you know, like it was a God thing. Like maybe it was always meant to be this way. So I'm still putting together the cheat sheets. They're going to still be there. And colleagues, you know, doctors can download them in bundles. You know, if you want birth to 18, you can get that. If you want 10 to 18, you can get that. If you just want 15 to 18, you can get that, but it's a book. And I, I think it, that's what it was meant to be too. So it's kind of got a funny story. Cause I wasn't, I didn't set out to do it that way. Well, you know, what's wonderful. I feel like most parents, they want to talk to their kids about sexual wellness, helping them and empowering them with information. But as you mentioned, they they never received the information themselves. So it's hard to know what to say. I know you're talking in the book, you're talking about the origin of sexual shame. Can you tell us where do you think our sexual shame they're coming from? Well, it comes through the all the generations, you know, really 90 to 95 percent of families are silent or silent and shaming around sexuality. We have this long history of believing that there is just one talk, you know, that if you got talked to at all, it happened once and somebody walked in and gave you a book and they walked out and they said, do you have any questions? And usually people said, no, I have no questions, you know, and and that was it. But the reality is, is like learning anything. We really need to learn it in small little pieces. You know, we need to learn about friendships and relationships and little itty bitty pieces along the way. We don't learn it one time at 17 about how you do relationships. Sexuality and intimacy is just like friendships and relationships. It's a complex process of many, many things about conflict and learning about sharing and learning about boundaries and learning about consent and autonomy and holding voice. And it's all of those things. It's all of those things. But we've never learned about it that way in our country. And so we think about it as just like penis and vagina behavior. And yet it's not that. It's about intimacy. It's about doing relationships in deep and meaningful ways. But because we've never done it well, mostly what we have around sexuality is silence and silence amounts to shame. And so that's what we end up passing down is silence and shame. And it comes from generations and generations and generations. And what I think it's wonderful that you're talking about teaching your kids about boundaries and a kind of relationship, all of those important things. And you're talking about the families who are providing the book. And those are the best case scenarios, because I think most families, they're just like not saying anything or they're they're kind of like giving overt and covert negative messages around sex, which is not uh, useful neither. You know, what's interesting in 
of me and you both are in clubhouse. We're talking about it. And I was talking to one of the rooms about sexuality. And one, one other therapist said, like, but what if when you're talking to your kids about sex, you increase their awareness and they're going to get information that they didn't have before and they're going to start having sex again, which was like, oh, no, this is not accurate. But what do you think about that? Well, it's not accurate because it's it really doesn't work that way because you're you talk to them about so many aspects of relationships and and sexuality. It's like saying if I talk to my child about cars and how cars are put together and what make cars work and what makes them safe and what makes them unsafe and how cars work in the world, all of a sudden they're going to actually go take the keys and go drive. Well, actually, if I do my education well, they aren't going to go take the keys and drive because they understand that there's a whole lot that can make it dangerous out there, right? And so they're going to be like, no, they're going to wait until they feel really prepared to go out and drive. If I do nothing about cars at all and I say, no, 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 they're much more likely to sneak the cars and go out and drive and get in an accident. So it's the providing of the information and providing all of the information. And as I'm out driving and I'm talking about why we wear seat belts and and what keeps us safe and I open up the hood and I show them all the parts of it and all of that, that their education is part of what helps them make good decisions. Information is power. And it's no different in relationships, you know, and when you teach children about love and how complex love and relationships is, you know, what I have learned both in being a parent and in teaching this stuff for years and years and years is kids are much more likely to say, you know, I don't really want to get into a relationship until I'm sure I can be in a relationship with somebody who can treat me well. And you know what? People don't mature for quite a long time. So I'm going to wait for a little while until I know I can be treated well, because you've given them a lot of information about relationships and themselves and how they want to be treated. So they're not so quick to jump into just any kind of relationship. Absolutely. And what a beautiful analogy with the car, right? That at times it's people think that like they, they, could, they wouldn't know about sex, but sex is such a natural function. And if you're not teaching about sex and you're not teaching about your values, they're going to learn it from someone else and they're going to pick up someone else's value. And it's uh, perhaps it's not aligned with you on for your child. So I love the analogy of the car. I think that's very accurate. One thing that really startle some family is when uh, like parents are when they realize their kids is they're exploring their bodies i i used to work at children adolescent department and i was getting lots of inquiries about this and people think oh god did my child got abused i didn't know so parents really panic about that at what age is appropriate for people to have that curiosity oh my goodness i have a three and a half year old granddaughter she's all enamored with that part of her body <laughs> If you have little ones, they will discover their clitoris or their penis as soon as they are able to understand that their hands, they, they can reach and grab things with their hands. And that's somewhere between six months and 10 months old, right? These hands, they can control things. They can reach out and grab things. And those diapers come off. And then at some point, they're going to discover right? They can reach out and grab, grab something. And that hand is going to land 
right, right where their diaper is. And that's going to be a grand day, right? <laughs> and then they're going to be able to do that on purpose, whether they're in the tub or their diaper is off. And as soon as they are potty trained, right, and they're in their own underwear, then they're going to be able to do it on purpose. And they're going to start doing it on purpose, right? And, and that is not masturbation. That is a self-soothing behavior. It's like the soft edge of their blanket or their bunny's ear, you know? And so sometimes that's what they're doing to soothe themselves. So somewhere between three and four, you begin teaching about privacy, you know, that if you want to do that, if you want to self-soothe, then we're going to go, we use private parts of the house. So you've got your bedroom or you've got the bathroom and that's what the grownups do in the house too. That's okay. You don't need to worry that they're going to lose their life there because they're actually social beings too. They're going to want to come out and play, right? And people are like, well, what if they do it too much? And I'm like, well, what is too much? Well, I don't know. They're in there too much. Well, if they're in there for hours, then that's an indication that they're really anxious about something. And you should look at what, what kind of anxiety are they absorbing? Is there something going on in the home? Are you about to move or is something going on? Because kids are self-soothing, right? And so maybe they need more time with their blanket or maybe they need another kind of holding or something because it's a, it's a behavior that they're doing to calm themselves. There's nothing wrong with it right? It's just, a, it's actually a lovely part of our bodies. We're given it on purpose to comfort ourselves, you know, but again, it's our shame that's coming up because somewhere in our past, someone taught us that soothing ourselves with our genitals was a bad thing. That's, that's our stuff. And that's why I wrote the book because we also have to look at all of the messages that we got that told us that pleasure, our pleasure wasn't okay because our pleasure is totally okay. Now, going out into the world and being public with our pleasure, that is intruding, right, on other people. But being private with our pleasure is completely fine. It's actually a lovely part of our lives. Dr. Tina, I love how you're differentiating self-soothing from masturbating because whenever I talk about this thing, people say, oh, okay, okay, but what if, as exactly what you said, that it, they do it in front of other people? What if it becomes an obsession? But you're absolutely correct when you say that it's a form of self-soothing. So if that's the only toolbox in their uh, kind of like their uh, repertoire of self-soothing, then we need to provide them with alternative options as well. Like, like okay. an adult. So I think just I like, like an it. adult. Yeah. yeah. I like yeah. that you were highlighting. We that. all need more than one. Amen <laughs> <Right>? to <laughs> that. You know, what if people are kind of scared that their kid wouldn't understand their privacy? How would we teach our children about privacy when they're younger? Well, it's just that's that is a good question. And again, that's a that's a question that kind of comes from our shame. But but again, I'll often say when we get scared about things, when they come from our shame, what do we do when they don't understand anything? OK, what do we do when they don't understand about making their bed? <laughs> what do we do when they don't understand about not crossing the street without holding hands? We keep teaching them. That's all. <laughs> we just keep teaching them like, well, sweetheart, it's a privacy thing. 
it's a privacy thing. You know, mommy and daddy use the private, you know, we close the door in the bathroom. We go to our room. It's a privacy thing. We just patiently keep teaching them. That's all. We don't shame them. We sometimes kids take a long time to learn things. You know, sometimes we have kids that just don't learn things fast. Sometimes we have stubborn kids, sometimes whatever, you know, we just keep teaching them. That's all. It's not a bad thing. They aren't bad people. We just have to be patient and keep teaching them. But we need to keep teaching them because one, we want them to learn it. And two, we don't want them to be teased because they didn't learn it. Right. So we keep teaching them. Sweet pea, you need to go to your room. You can't you can't pleasure yourself at the dinner table. You have to go to your room. If that's what you want to do, you're going to need to go to your room. Okay, because we don't do it at the kitchen table. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful part of your body, but you're going to need to go to your room to do it just like we do. And you just there you just keep teaching them. That's all. I love this. anything. Mm -hmm. It's like picking their nose, you know, got to go get a tissue. Mm hmm. I got so excited. I interrupted you. <laughs> I, I love this messaging because it, 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 it normalizes it, but also it, it talks about boundaries and like privacy, as, as you mentioned. And you're right. When we are overreacting and you know, our parents, like their own stuff comes up and they start panicking or they, uh, I, I heard many times parents go wash the kid or they do all sorts of things. The messaging you give your kid is this is dirty. This is, this is not okay. And then perhaps long term, they will have complicated relationship with their pleasure. So I love that this kind of matter of fact approach that this is okay what you're doing. This is our house rule that this is what we do at the kitchen table. This is what we do in our room. And And I think that can be very powerful. So I got so many questions from our listeners. So one of the other one was around teenagers. So someone said my teenager comes home with hickey. She like, I think she said like her teenager is like 13, 14. And she had another child who was a brother around the same age. So another son. And uh, she said, is it appropriate if I talk to my daughter about sex in front of her brother to normalize it? Do you recommend like a parents to talk to both of the both genders together, all genders together, or you think that's something that needs to tackle separately? Well, that's a good question. Normally, I would say, yes, talk about it together, unless it's going to really embarrass one or the other. So I wouldn't say do something that is going to really embarrass one because that doesn't feel good to either one. But normally, if it's not going to embarrass them, then I would say, yes, let's talk about this as a family. Let's talk about this together. Let's understand what it is to be navigating relationships, navigating how we want to be treated, navigating the kinds of relationships we want to be having. And again, this is where I think my book is just super helpful because again, when you're in the, whether, you know, I've got the 10 to 12 year olds, the 12 to 15 year olds, and then what are the different kinds of conversations you want to be having at those ages? And the way I write the book is I don't talk about different thing conversations you want to be having with the boys and the girls at those ages. There are conversations you want to be having with both of them. And I do think it's important for, there are certain things that you're emphasizing with the boys that the girls need to hear. 
And there are certain things you're emphasizing with the girls that I think the boys need to hear. And some of those are about power, you know, and I think that they're both wiser when they hear them both. Right. And that's where I think as a family, you become wiser, more caring, more protective, more compassionate when you both are engaging in these stories together, as well as like when you're watching TV programs together and you're asking questions together, like you might see a boy act in an objectifying way towards a girl. And then you together as a family are noticing that and saying, you know, because perhaps that came up in a conversation saying, you know, to the boy, what did you notice there in that in the way that that girl was treated? Was is that OK, do you think? And do you notice that happening at school? And what does that feel like to you when you watch other fellow guys treat girls that way? What girl, what does that feel like to you when you watch somebody treat somebody that way? And, you know, is it similar or different? Right. Because one might feel more victimizing than the other. You know, so one might might have a more of an effect on the feeling right level. And so the girl might need to explain to her brother what it actually feels like as a girl to be treated that way. And he might have to work on listening a little bit more like, you know, no, it really feels like this to my friends when a guy does that or when I get whistled at, it doesn't, it doesn't feel complimentary or, you know, have you ever had somebody send you a dick pic, you know, well, what's that like? Well, why does a guy do that? Well, he thinks it's like this. Well, is it like this? Do you know what I'm saying? And so I think those conversations together can be really informative when you're having them together as a family, as opposed to separately but it takes it takes some savvy on the parents part to have them. But I think it also helps you be much more prepared for doing cross gendered relationships, whether you're straight or not. I just think it helps you have better cross gendered relationships as you go into the workforce. And it just makes you wiser people in the future, if you practice those in your home together. I like that a lot because it teach your kid about perspective taking, listening, because some of these images can overwhelm us with emotions. So you kind of provide this opportunity for, for them to communicate those things together. And perhaps you're moderating that conversation, but I feel it requires kind of advanced skills from the parents to yes. be prepared for those conversations. And that's why a book from uh, like yours is very yes. important because we want to make sure we have the information. So in the moment, if needed, we're able to step in and talk about these things and inform our kids. On that note, if people are interested to get your book, where are some of the places that they can get it? Yeah. So right now it's available on Amazon. It's available in other places as well, too. You can get it in Audible and get it in Kindle. And now you can get it in paperback. And in paperback, there are places to take notes in it, to make notes about where your kids are, the kinds of questions that they're asking, maybe things you want to remember about what's going on for them. So it's, it's got a little bit more of like that hands-on kind of feel to it. But some people are listeners with books. So that's why I went ahead and recorded it too, because I know I'm a 
listener with a book so you can get it in in those different ways too. Awesome. And then I'll guess like I'll mention this too that probably in about a month we're going to launch a parenting community on mm-hmm. my website so that we're going to keep writing, keep answering people's questions. So if things come up for parents that they don't feel like is covered in the book or a dilemma comes up and they're like, ah, I don't know what to do. We're going to keep answering questions. We're going to do a once a month Q and a where we talk and take people's questions just because um, I know sometimes on Instagram, they'll shadow ban conversations on sexuality. And we just want a place where parents feel like they can keep coming because I feel like culture is moving really fast. There might be things that we didn't cover in the book that will be coming up in culture a year from now, you know, and I'll st- I'll keep editing the book and, you know, doing updates every now and again. But I just wanted a place where parents felt like they could keep coming in and there would be a community of people they could reach out to and talk to and there would be support because I feel like sexuality in particular is a place where I'd like for us to move to a place where we're not silent anymore and we can feel like we're getting support and we can feel like we're getting a handle on it and getting what we need to change the legacy So our kids are getting what they need and we are getting what we need to do it different. Beautiful. Thank you for creating that space and encourage our listeners knowing how valuable are the information you're sharing with us to check that out. And we'll make sure we leave a link in the show notes. And thank you so much, Dr. Tina, to come back to our show. It was such a wonderful conversation. Yes, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I just love being here. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I always learn a lot from Dr. Tina. And one of the questions I get a lot from parents is that when should I talk to my kid about sex? And I always say now it's a good time. Of course, you want to make sure you're talking about age-appropriate content. That's why resources like Shameless Parenting Book by Dr. Sola can be useful. But the sooner you're having this conversation, the better and easier it will be. But if you haven't had that conversation yet, it's it's never too late. Of course, there are going to be some awkwardness, some discomfort. One of my wonderful colleagues, she was saying that talking about it in the car is the best place because your, your kids are not able to go anywhere. But again, you want to make sure that you're honest and open with your kids so they can use you as a resource. Again, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and I hope that this content was relevant for, for you. And if you find our podcast useful, I would really appreciate it if you leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I read every single review and also consider the input that you guys are giving me. And also your reviews, your subscription helps us to get more visibility. So we're able to share this information with a broader audience. All right. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.